You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. One House is a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators throughout the country. Empowered Hospitality provides human resources services to the restaurants and hotel sector, empowering operators with knowledge, guidance, and time. Together, we are Recruit, Retain, Relax. Beautiful. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the inaugural show for Recruit, Retain, Relax. Uh, we have great guests with us today. And uh, our goal with this show is uh, obviously to look at the three R's, what we call Recruit, Retain, and Relax, as it pertains to the industry, the hospitality industry. Uh, with me, I have my co-host, Sarah Deal. Hi. Hey. From Empowered Hospitality, and yours truly, Mike Hewitt, from One House Recruiting. So, uh, we're going to start off with uh, introductions to our guests today. Really excited to have Michael Weatherby from Alta Calidad, Uber, Cool, Brooklyn-based <laughs> uh, restaurant. Yeah, you can laugh. It's true. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Nice. And uh, next to him, we have uh, Jonathan Moldenhauer. Yeah? That's Good. correct. Nice. From Major Food Groups. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your Michelin uh, nods, right? Uh, on that Michelin Spectrum. They just came out this week. Very excited about having both of you on the show, which is really cool. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Nice. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, you know, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? We're uh, talking about the staffing dilemma, right? As it pertains to the hospitality sector, how it's changing and how operators can react and adapt to it, right? We hope that we come up with some solutions during these shows um, to this dilemma. But if anything, it's going to be a lively conversation and there probably will be some takeaways uh, from the show. We're going to attack this relevant topic from all different angles. The recruitment side, obviously, the retention of talent, and that intangible quality of life variable that everyone's looking for. Um, you know, traditionally, it's been all about the recruitment and, you know, where do we find people? Everyone's scrambling to find the right people. Uh, there's been a little bit of a shortage of actual staff, um, and some would say qualified staff. But we feel that the conversation has shifted a little bit more to the retention, right? Once you've found that rock star, then uh, where for a lot of people that, you know, the action ends, for us it really starts, right? How do we keep them there? What do we do to actually <coughs> maintain that staff that we've fought so hard to, to achieve to get? Um, Sarah and I obviously take this topic pretty seriously. We both run successful uh, national recruiting and human resource consulting companies serving the industry. Uh, from Michelin to mom and pop, fine dining to fast casual. Um, so we, we cover the spectrum, which is awesome. Uh, we're going to kick it right into the recruitment side. And I'll start with Michael. Tell me, uh, what are some unorthodox staffing methods that you have used recently and have they yielded any good results? Um, well, it's pretty relevant right now because we just opened our restaurant Alta Calidad about eight months ago. Um, and uh, it's interesting and ironic that uh, in a time where the interest in food and beverage and restaurants and food culture is at its highest, 
that it's the most difficult time in my 15 year career to mm -hmm. find people, right? And it really is using every means and method possible, you know? So for the staffing of my own restaurant, um, you know, I really was out there with my wife going to restaurants and identifying people who would make uh, a good fit for our restaurant with the idea not so necessarily so much that uh, I'm going to poach that individual person, right? But more so that I feel like like-minded people gravitate towards each other, right? And so if I, there's a stellar bartender or stellar server or manager that's touching uh, each table, that they probably have uh, surround themselves with other uh, like-minded people and people with the same kind of work ethic and ethos. It's um, called recruitment by osmosis. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, I would, you know, let them know what, what's going on and what we're doing, that we're opening a, you know, a, a restaurant in Brooklyn that, and we're striving for this high-quality experience. And if they know anybody, um, you know, to kind of put the word out, and I would give them my car. And I felt like that has yielded definitely uh, great results for us. You know, our entire opening team was staffed with people that came from that. Uh, and I found that it was better uh, success rate than, you know, Craigslist, where I would get maybe one qualified person for every hundred emails. Um, We've all been through that drama, for sure. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's definitely proactive recruitment, and you're going out there and, you know, and cherry-picking uh, people that you think will be a good cultural fit, but obviously have the right skill set to excel. Uh, so that's a good good way about it. Um, Jonathan, anything interesting on your end as far as, uh, you know, any methods or tools that you've used? I would, I'm hesitant to use the word unorthodox, but I would say at Major Food Group, you know, we've been working towards the, we opened up the grill and the pool and we're working towards the opening of the Lobster Club right now. Um, we're not afraid to be competitive. In fact, we think it's, you know, it's, very natural and what you know all industries actually need is healthy competition so we're not afraid to put that out there and be bold and be competitive um, even when it comes to um, the recruitment realm and I think a lot of people can be weary of that competition word these days but I think it only serves to better the industry as a whole that makes a lot of sense just with a lot of different sectors right competition is going to up the quality um, and that obviously applies here. Just to add, obviously, Jonathan is the human resource director at Major Food Group, so it's an interesting angle versus Michael Weatherby, who is owner-operator of Alta Calidad. So the key is to have a couple different you know, views, viewpoints on, on where we're finding our staff. Um, they say the honey gets the bees, right? What are some unique or differentiated hooks that you, that you have used to attract the best talent? Right? Something maybe unique, something that is kind of inherent in your culture that, you know, they'll look at it and be like, wow, I definitely want to work here. I think the thing that's worked the best for us and uh, for me in particular over my career um, is we, we can't compete with large companies, right? Like uh, Jonathan was saying that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different incentives that you can provide, but definitely, um, you know, compensation packages that you might find in a larger company is not something that we're able to provide given that yeah. we're a smaller hospitality company. So what I really try to strive for is quality of life, right? And so anytime I sit down with an individual that's looking for employment and a prospect, uh, I tell them about our culture. And really, it's not just about them being an employee, but uh, about this quality of life that we're looking for it, for it to be a great experience and a great relationship. It needs to make sense for them as much as it does for us. So uh, something that we often uh, kind of practice is if we have a stellar employee, someone that does a great job, a great example would be two or three people have left us for a month to pursue their passion of acting. One went to is in Austin right now. 
Um, nice. One went to DC for to work at uh, Shakespeare Theater. And what we can provide is if you're a great employee and you are a great team member, that when you come back, uh, you're going to have a position, right? So uh, we offer a flexibility of schedule, right? Like the, if you're a, a rock star employee, you tell me what days you want to work. And uh, we put a man on the moon that I like to say, I think we can work out a schedule that accommodates your life. Right? And so those are the things that are not, maybe non-monetary uh, that really kind of help to uh, attract employees and that they appreciate. I love that. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of times people think of the tangible, right? Can I get an extra 5K or an extra this or bonuses? A lot of times, you know, at the end of the day, they're working for, for you, right? So if they respect you, if they see that you're actually carrying on a business that's high integrity, that's actually treating people well, and it's a fun atmosphere that you're creating in your culture, that's going to go a long way versus just cookie cutter, this is your comp, this is it, you know? And then it's uh, those, obviously, there's candidates like that out there. They're more mercenary style. They're looking for the bottom line. And others actually just want to enjoy a good workplace that they, you know, they feel like they are being heard and that they're, like you said, the scheduling. I think that's a, an important bit. Uh, it comes down to that quality of life bit, right? Where a lot of people have different needs. Some maybe are actors. They need daytimes to do their auditions. Others are more family oriented and they want to Correct. at least be able to put their kids down to bed at night, things like that. So that is important that the ownership is looking at that and actually uh, doing something about it instead of just rigid, hey, take it or leave it. This is the job. You know? I That's think cool. also to add something and highlight what Michael said, approaching recruitment from a standpoint of truly and authentically representing your company and what it stands for and not trying to cater to what you think the employee is looking mm -hmm. for. And I see a lot of that across the industry. Yeah. You know, we think compensation drives recruitment. We think that time off drives recruitment. The question is mm -hmm. truly when you show your true colors, is that something that appeals to the person? Because then you have that lasting cultural fusion between mm -hmm. that person and the company they're working with. You're keeping it real, which is nice. And isn't that really um, similar to dating? Right. I mean, right. Don't you want to actually <laughs> show who you really are instead of trying to act like, I wonder what he or she wants to hear, you know, and then it usually bites you in the butt. So well, and I think people <laughs> want to be proud of where they work. Right. Yeah. Kind of like dating. You want to be proud of the person you bring home for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, nice. kind of you want to be proud of the place that you take your friends and your family to say, this is where I work. And this is, um, you know, what pays my bills. And I'm proud to work here. And totally. that, that, that doesn't always uh, equate to dollar dollars and exactly. bottom line, as you said. I think you really hit it on the, on the needle, Mike, with the tangible and the intangible word. Mm. That's something I try to focus on a lot is you, I think you have to get the intangibles right first before you can even focus on the mm -hmm. tangible. So are you communicating your culture clearly? Do your applicants kind of know and feel what you're about just naturally before they even step in your door? I think you have to put a lot of attention towards those things, which can be the hardest to get right, because then your tangibles aren't going to aren't even going to matter. You have to get that right first. That's what really gets the attention, what attracts the person first. Mm -hmm. The next type of stuff is just kind of like what keeps them happy, what keeps them going. It's their kind of base things that they need, but you got to get the intangibles right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing in our line of work that we you know come across from time to time which is quite frustrating is the old bait and switch, right? And again, for us, it's important that, you know, a client is, you know, portraying a specific position that equals the post hire position, right? 
uh, as opposed to bells and whistles, and this is what it's going to be like. And sure enough, once they're signed on and they start, it's okay for a job to evolve, right, in, within time. But when, they, when a candidate gets the feeling, wow, I just got totally bamboozled here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the job that I interviewed for. It just makes everyone look bad. And obviously, they're not going to stay, and they shouldn't stay. Um, they shouldn't be shackled to that. And I that's where you see the turnover, right? I, mean, I talk a lot about it in terms of growth, <laughs> you know. To me, I've never heard a restaurant group not say that they're growing. And that's something that excites a lot of employees because for that, they see growth for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I would push, you know, operators who are recruiting HR professionals to truly look at their growth and whether representing themselves as a growing company is accurate Mm -hmm. in the sense that it offers growth to that person. If that growth is two years down the road, that's fine, and you can still say you're a growing company, but are you potentially misleading them mm-hmm. by making them think that, you know, as millennials would like, in six months they'll be moving into their next yeah. role? Oh, you should use the M word. We're going to get to Oh, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. If our attention span, you know, just kidding, millennials. Um, but, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want to keep it real with the growth, um, just like you probably don't want to say, hey, we're probably going out of business in a couple months when you're interviewing either. Um, <laughs> So technology, obviously a big part of what we do, right? <clears throat> Especially in the last couple of years. So how has technology changed the way that you hunt for, for a team? Um, any platforms that stand out, out of the crowd maybe? Um, and again, we're talking about online services, ways to find people, um, anything that you guys use? Jonathan. Um, I mean, we use all the job boards and cast a very wide net um, a couple leaders in the industry I like are Harry and Culinary Agents mm-hmm. seem to be a good place to go. Craigslist is still a good place to go. You, It tends to be a place where you post volume. and you, you get the volume right and you kind of have to kind of dig through and weed through a little bit more, but it's still very much an industry standard. Um, as f- on the other side of technology, that's just like the job boards and the posting. There's a whole other segment <clears throat> that I think the industry is just starting to get into, and that's really looking at people analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, so running numbers, running re- running retention, how long are employees staying, where are they coming from, is there a trend that the that these people who come from this sector or this, this website or whatnot are, tend to stay longer, why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and really kind of crunching that data and, and maybe you find stuff that you don't even realize that you would find um, or running, you know, what how benefits correlate or, or all these numbers. I think there's a lot of data. The tech world is very good at this. They have you know, Google and whatnot and all the players in Silicon Valley have whole teams, like 50 people dedicated just to looking at people analytics. So I think it's really fascinating and intriguing to see our industry starting to pay more attention to to the people that are within their restaurants and how and what they need and how that data might play into um, certain fields as, you know, groups, you know, get more HR departments, every it's almost a standard now that restaurants have an HR department. And the HR department within restaurants is evolving itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we're becoming, we, we, we have a very important seat at the table. And um, we're becoming as not only just HR people who advise on the law, mm-hmm. but we're becoming a very essential part of the operation and the operators. And we're the people um, looking at that data and kind of advising on that. And I always say that the HR department is kind of the the um the heart we're there to remind um our company and the industry about you know the importance of your people 
And I think I really, for me, grow. I'm technically a millennial myself. <laughs> um, but so for me, I don't me, think I make the cut. Um, so for me, growing up with the technology and always being in the technology, I'm really excited to start, you know, crunching some data and looking at some numbers and seeing where that may correlate in some trends that I, that could possibly see it. But I think the industry is just now starting to kind of really get into that space. Some that other, makes sense. Some other industries kind of have a leg up on us because they're maybe the ones that build the technology. But I think we're starting to get into that, and I think it's yeah. going to be fascinating. Hospitality has traditionally been those, those late adopters, right? It's like, come on, guys, get it together. Like all these other industries have figured out and created disruptors right to to elevate the whole game and hospitality has been lagging a little bit on that but if there is one industry that's resourceful and figures shit out is the hospitality industry so we're in a good plot a uh, good place michael any um any good platforms i think internet i mean you mentioned that again you're more guerrilla style you go out there and you actually talk to humans which is <laughs> nice uh, we are in the people business after all but Anything you, you fair enough. Uh, I think Jonathan hit the nail on the head in that uh, there, there's such a need for quality people, and it's so difficult to find them. You have to cast the widest net possible, and you really mm -hmm. utilize all the platforms. Uh, everything, uh, like I said, from Craigslist to culinary agents to uh, Facebook, uh, which has worked well with us, just really kind of reaching out to our own friends. And there's kind of this yeah. responsibility through association. If I'm going to refer somebody to you. And they reflect on the person, that Correct. particular person. So it's kind of... It has more weight. Yeah. It carries more weight and responsibility. And that's worked well for us. But uh, I don't think it's a preference as much as it is a necessity to really utilize all the platforms. Right? And I think uh, Jonathan probably is in a good position where... Uh, you know, especially being a more formal HR team that we can kind of analyze. Uh, and I think it's important to analyze what's being useful and what's giving them the most uh, bang for their buck, for the lack of a better term. That makes sense. I mean, knowledge is power and, and being able to mine some human ana analytics, right, that you can actually dissect and figure out what's working, what's not is, I think, is key to the future, right? Because then you start looking at trends, you start seeing what's working, what's not, and you're not just winging it, essentially. Awesome. Uh, we're going to switch over to the other R, which is retention, yeah, right? Perfect. And moving on with Sarah. Okay, great. So we're going to turn the conversation to retention. So as much energy as we spend in hospitality on recruiting our team, we frequently forget to consider retention as the other side of the coin. In 2015, industry turnover exceeded 70%, and it's continued to trend at least over 60%, and in some companies, probably still above 70 to 80% per year. Um, our struggle to retain talent results in our constant recruiting hustle. So I wanted to actually start with Michael and ask you, are there any employee programs and or cultural values that you feel have resulted in better retention for you? And a second question, which we'll come to next is, what keeps you around historically? <laughs> what has kept you in your jobs? What's kept you from running to the next best thing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think it's something that Jonathan talked about, uh, spoke about a little bit earlier, really, and it's what we're striving for at Alta Calidad is really uh, a strong culture of integrity and pride and respect. And I think uh, putting that on the forefront has definitely, you attract a certain type of individual, right? And uh, I also think uh, what's, you know, something that we've been trying to implement is really making it, uh, which is a little bit uh, ironic given that we need people so badly, is making it more difficult for people to get the job. 
right? It's, it's not just a warm body. It's not just mm -hmm. you're available on these days and you happen to be a server at this particular restaurant. You're hired. You start on Saturday. Mm -hmm. As much as that would be make certain things easier, it's mm -hmm. about really putting uh, people through two or three interviews, even though it's not maybe a management position. I think it uh, it's helped to attract a better quality individual, mm -hmm. uh, makes them sit up a little bit straighter and take the job a little more seriously. And, uh, and, you know, and I feel it also, it vets people and weeds people out. They're like, well, oh, this place is a little too buttoned up for us. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It's I good want... to know earlier on, right? Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so I, I often hear concerns about the timeline that, you know, two or three interviews is going to extend the process to the point where someone's going to jump into a job that they find after their first interview somewhere else. So do you find that you've had a lot more attrition in the interview process as a result? I mean, we, we make it happen pretty quickly. You know, it's not a two or three week uh, series of interviews like you might find for a manager candidate. Um, but I think, you know, if, if the individual is really looking for not just uh, a paycheck, but a quality place that they're looking to stay for a while, I think it kind of goes hand in hand that they're going to take their time and find the, and if they're truly confident in themselves and they have something to offer, uh, they're going to want to find the uh, the best place to work. And it, mm -hmm. it, it works on both for both uh, parties. Yeah. Jonathan, how about you? Um, I would say an all too often forgotten element, I think, is to just have fun. Um, that's actually in one of, you know, one of major food groups values. And I think it really um, plays into both realms for us, not only internally with our people and the people who work for us, but our guests who come into our restaurants. Both sides are having fun. You know, that's when I was interviewing for the position that I'm in now with a major food group. Um, and Major Fruit Group did not have HR before me. I, I came in and was the first HR. And like the, <laughs> wow. the, you know, Jeff was interviewing me, and he said, you know, do you know how to have fun at work and still get the, still get the job done? And I think that's essential because everybody, every, it's no secret, everybody in this industry knows that we spend more time, arguably, at our place of work than we do in our mm. personal life or at, or at home. So I think it's essential that... People are enjoying wanting to be at work. People are waking up wanting to go to their place of work. Mm -hmm. um, you have you have to get that right. And I think you can't be afraid to be bold and to and to have fun at work. That doesn't mean you're not getting the job done. You're not getting it what you're not getting it done well and doing everything that you need to do. But you have a certain passion for the um, for the industry and for what you do. And through that, you're able to have um, fun with what you're doing. And I think um, that's part of your culture within a company. And for us, it really trickles down from the, from the top and um, to everybody. So I think that is key to us for um, retaining our employees and our, and our people. Um, what keeps me around, I guess, is the other part of that question is I'm very fortunate to work for a company that recognizes the importance of human resources. Um, I play a very important um, part in the company, at least I feel that internally, um, and I think that to me is invaluable, and I know that it's something in the industry and with other, you know, with, with that isn't always recognized as being um, important or a key player. I happen to work for a company that really understands HR and thinks it's essential to the operation. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's true of any department in any position. I think, you know, um, if, if the person feels that they're respected and that, that, the, that what they do is important and that's coming not only from within themselves but from within their peers, 
I think that is also key. Nice. And you, you did touch upon, you know, the having fun. And I think it's also maybe a, a bigger highlight or spotlight on you, HR director, to really show, you know, employees what's acceptable and what's not, right? It doesn't mean compliance. You can still have fun and, and have a compliant workspace where you're saying, okay, this is right, this is wrong. And then people kind of know the bookends, right? What, what they can do and get away with and, and still have fun and get the job done and not get in trouble. Yeah, I I love HR. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to human resources. (laughs) But I really have fun doing what I do. I know the stereotypical can be like the HRs, you know, like the the boring department. We're not boring at at Major Food Group, I'd like to say. I think we're a very, you know, fun department. We still um, get everything done right and as the the way it needs to be. And, you know, we try our best to be, you know, compliant in all the realms. But Mm -hmm. we're fun, too. Even when you fire someone, you can still make it fun. <laughs> Maybe not in that circumstance. <laughs> you both have talked uh, a lot about kind of the cultural drive behind retention, and you obviously both put culture in the forefront in your companies to keep people around. So what is maybe one way if you can think about that you kind of weave culture in through the employee's experience, either deliberate or not? Um, we... I'm, I think that we have one of the most generous um, dining programs for our employees in the industry. Um, so we give them a very large discount, and we also have um, annual anniversary dinners where employees can also get a t- completely free experience um, at one of our restaurants every year. And you know, we really encourage them to go to the place where they work the first year to really kind of get the experience. Um, of what it's like for a guest to come into their own restaurant. But then, you know, we open it up, you know, af- after the employee's been with us for a few years, we open it up where they can go to um, different restaurants within the company. And so I think we often forget, you know, you read about all the um, great benefits that, that companies like Google has and whatnot, but we often forget how cool our industry is. We get so focused on being working within our industry, we forget how that we're actually, we're the cool kids on the block mm-hmm. um, because guests and people are, you know, coming to our restaurants and really enjoying it. So from the inside, it's important to recognize that, you know, offering that dining experience is a really, really, really great benefit. Mm-hmm. And it's the perfect way for your employees to understand and realize what you're all about. And for a group like us, it's not only important that they, um, if you're working at Dirty French, that you understand what Dirty French is about, but it's also important that, you know, you go try out Santina and you and you understand and see what Santina is about. Um, so um, we try to get, we try to encourage our employees to really get out there and to, to experience what it's like to be a guest. That's great. Michael, yeah, how about you? For Alta Calidad, uh, given that we're such a new restaurant, we're definitely evolving and kind of... Uh, Figuring it out as we go, right? And but for us, a, a major thing is education, right? And given that uh, we have our chef and my partner Akhtar Nawab is just a wealth of information, who's worked at some of the best restaurants in, in the country. Um, and so, what we really love to do is uh, we have employees that have experience from very little to have worked at Jean George, um, and their knowledge of product and. Uh, hospitality is varied, you know? So for us, what we really try to do is try to weave that culture in is really give them a lot of education to be able to bring out. It's one thing to recite something for a guest. It's another thing to smell it, taste it, feel it. Uh, one thing that, you know, definitely on the horizon is, you know, taking these field trips that maybe larger companies are able to provide for their employees, um, but really kind of 
make that connection of this is where the product's coming from. This is the farmer. This is when you sell this dish to a guest and they enjoy it. This is who it's benefiting, not just your pocket, but these people that are uh, out there in the food industry. You know, so that education's a big part of our culture. Yeah, and, and along with that company culture, where if you're going on trips, you're actually building a little bit of rapport with the team. Absolutely, and it's and they're getting a takeaway, so it's like a win-win there. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, again, kind of both of you speaking to a really similar theme, there is something really kind of tactile in what we do in restaurants. So there's the tasting, the drinking, the interactions that have led all of us, I think, to choose hospitality as a place for our careers. I mean, it's a beautiful industry. And I think uh, for those of us that work the hours that Jonathan was mentioning, you know, upwards of 15 hours a day, sometimes it can get lost, right, in the in the grind. And, uh, you know, very often, you know, we forget, like, this is what we love about it. It's about making somebody feel good when they come in the door. It's about that beautiful experience of food and beverage. And uh, we need to kind of excite our own team about that uh, and not get caught up in, you know, yeah. the administrative part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. And, and again, it speaks to dining experience, right? You're not going out to eat. It's an experience. And, mm-hmm. then, and it's a whole conglomerate of all these little details. It could be like going to a table, you know, call and saving, you know, that experience for them. And that mm-hmm. makes your day. Mm-hmm. Every shift has like its ups and downs and, and takeaways. And sometimes you got, you get home after a shift. You're like, wow, I made a difference with this person. I made that person happy. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, and we often talk about the employee experience. So I think it really resonates in the sense that, you know, an employee's experience of working for a hospitality group is a lot more than just the nuts and bolts of the job. It's the whole picture with yeah. all of the colors and flavors and people that we interact with. So um, second question kind of moving away from, you know, the tactile and the beautiful aspects of hospitality to the millennial generation who love to be, you know, on their phones on Instagram and maybe a little less tended towards touching and tasting and interacting. By the way, I'm a millennial. Um, I'd love to understand from both of you, A, if you see this um, culture shift as more and more millennials enter your companies. And B, uh, what do millennials want? I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I also, it's probably, I would say this is your toughest question because I I really don't know, but it's, uh, I need to figure it out. We need to figure it out. Um, We want to, this is our workforce, is the millennials, right? And the, the, I don't want to sound like the grandpa that said I walked through five miles of snow to get to work and like, you know, it's better back in the day. Um, oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bit like that, like that grandpa. Um, but, you know, we have amazing people in our industry, but it's really just trying to, for us, really trying to identify what's important to them. Right. But I think uh, we definitely have to pivot and shift in how we approach these uh, potential employees and these people working for us because it is culturally different. And I think the need that you mentioned earlier in the show for uh, instant gratification or shorter, uh, shorter window towards gratification uh, is relevant, you know, and we're, we are still figuring it out for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe John can give us some pointers on <laughs> since he is a millennial, Jonathan. he can speak firsthand. I don't think millennials actually have different wants or needs. I think maybe that millennials are just more 
vocal about their wants and the needs, but I don't think it actually differs from prior generations. Um, one unique aspect that I think um, the new generations are very vocal about and, and looking to as importance is they want, and I think you touched on it earlier, Sarah, was this sense of purpose um, for where for where they work. I think that's something that um, not only we do really good, but I think the industry is uniquely positioned to really provide in that. Again, we're, we run restaurants, and restaurants is something that, you know, everybody loves. Everybody loves restaurants. Mm-hmm. They like to go out and have a nice dining experience and enjoy themselves. And um, it's something that, you know, is usually regarded as something celebratory. And I think we're uniquely um, positioned to give the people who work for us a sense of purpose. Because, again, as, as Michael was saying earlier, that... Um, we're providing these really great experiences for our guests, and our guests are leaving happy, and you know, and they're hopefully creating memories that they're going to have for the rest of their lives at our places of work. And all of our employees who work with us are contributors um, to that, and in, in a way, contributing to enriching these people's lives who come into our restaurants and, and enjoy a nice meal. I think it's interesting what you said. It's not that we want different things necessarily. It's that we talk about it more. And I do think that the need for constant communication is a, a big characteristic of the millennial generation, something I can definitely say for myself as a representative. Um, the desire... <laughs> You're representing a whole generation. I, I am it's representing. A lot of, a lot of pioneer. Speaking on their behalf. And, and Grandpa Michael over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So, you know, to me, I think that that need for consistent feedback. And and that might be it, right? It might be, it's uh, like Jonathan was saying, that it's the same uh, concerns and issues and uh, wants, but just in a more vocal manner, you know? And for us, it's really interesting. We really have had a challenging time uh, staffing. And this, I don't want to open up a whole new uh, can of worms, maybe on another show, but the disparity between the front of house and back of house, right? And while we've had the, by and large, the the team in our front of house for Alta Calidad has remained the same, but the back of house, there's, uh, we've experienced a lot more turnover. Um, And it's just interesting that we have certain individuals that, uh, you know, I'm used to, uh, and Jonathan can speak on this a little bit more, but maybe getting evaluations and pay raises uh, several times a year, maybe mm-hmm. twice a year, um, you know, uh, probation, probationary period, um, where now we're experiencing people asking for a raise every eight weeks. Uh, yeah. And then after we decline, maybe after the second or third time, they move on. Uh, they move mm-hmm. on. Uh, and, you know, I, I understand that, you know, the need, definitely the need for compensation, but it makes it uh, very tough for the operators. Yeah, you know? yeah. As, yeah. Uh, as the bottom line is shrinking, you know, more and more each day, right? That puts extra pressure. Uh, forgetting about the whole wage increases, the non-tipping, those were all great topics that we probably will challenge and, and battle with on future shows. But but yeah, you bring up a good point, right? It's like you want to retain them and you want to make them happy, but what they're asking for sometimes is something that you just financially can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe there's other ways that you can incentivize them, bonus structures, that's where the creativity comes in, right? It's, it's performance-based. Yeah. And again, a lot of it figures around communication, setting expectations so that when someone comes in, we're laying the foundation with our culture, with what your path looks like at the company so that there are no surprises. So that 
you already know when you're starting that eight month or eight weeks into your time with the company, you're not going to get a raise. Um, that's really important. So, well, we want to take a quick break for commercial, um, but thank you both of you. And uh, we're going to come back with a little surprise. Thank you. <laughs> Setting the table begins long before the glassware is polished, before the china is set, spotless, on the table. Setting the table begins with selecting the right people for your team. Everything flows from the expertise, innate hospitality, and critical thinking of the people who act as ambassadors to your guests every day. With One House, a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators, finding the right people is a simple recipe. One House identifies, contacts, and interviews prospective talent and conducts pre-hire reference checks. One House also assists in curating chef-tasting menus and liaises between candidate and operator throughout the interview process. Empowered Hospitality delivers human resources solutions to growing hospitality companies, presenting solutions that empower owners and operators with the knowledge, guidance, and time to better grow their businesses. Empowered Hospitality Solutions include a fully outsourced HR department, a la carte recruitment, compliance, and HR hotline services, training and education, and strategic advisement. All right, welcome back to Recruit, Retain, Relax. We are here with Michael Weatherby of Alta Calidad and Jonathan Moldenhauer of Major Food Group. And we are ready for a quick fire. Oh, no. We want to hear about how <laughs> you relax. So we are going to ask you some questions about relaxation. Um, by the way, Michael and Jonathan have not been prepared at all to answer these questions. Yeah. So hopefully they won't say anything incriminating. Train's uh, about to go off the rules, <laughs> off the rails, so to speak. All right, so, gentlemen, I'm going to start with Jonathan. Finish this sentence. I feel most relaxed after. Watching the view. Yes, I love it. <laughs> oh my God. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I need a glass of wine after that. <laughs> Michael? After putting our twin baby girls to sleep nice. and having a glass of wine, as Mike's mentioned. Yeah. Or awesome. a bottle. At the same time. <laughs> Love it. Mike, how about you? Same oh, answer. I feel relaxed? No. Yeah. <laughs> you feel most relaxed I'm after? I'm going to copy Grandpa Michael over here. <laughs> yeah. Putting a baby down with a glass of wine. First, it's an actual, you know, it's an incredible art form and skill set. And we've, uh, you know, mastered it. Uh, but yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, testing out a new delicious wine. After a long shift or a long day, I think it's a nice way to calm down and get some Z's, you know, a couple hours. Love yeah. it. Love it. After a crazy night on Saturday, Michael, what's the first thing you're eating Sunday morning? 
Chef Akhtar Nawab's Chile Kilis at Alta Calidad. <laughs> the shameless plug. <laughs> so good. Awesome. Jonathan? Greasy pizza. Yeah. From anywhere in particular? We'd all like to go. No. no. <laughs> it's the New corner York. pizza Just place. Pizza. Also, the, my favorite all-American meal, cheeseburger, fries, and a shake is good. Mm, gotta love it. Michael, you're about to fire a great employee for doing something really dumb. What do you do five minutes beforehand to clear your mind? Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, I don't think there's any real easy way to, to terminate somebody, especially if they're a great employee, right? But I think you just have to be honest and forthright and empathetic, um, but kind of explain to them this is why uh, it's not going to work out anymore. Right? And I think uh, if they're already a quality employee, uh, they will understand. You know, I would like to think, right? mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're just being uh, candid about the real reasons why you're letting them go. But it's never an easy situation. Yeah. Jonathan? Put yourself in their shoes. Um, take a moment to, to, to be in their shoes and be in their mind and and see what answers you come up with your, for yourself. And I think that's also a good way to kind of test what you're about to do. Um, if you put yourself in their shoes and you say, you know, can I see this coming? Um, then, then you should probably have a pretty easy conversation. Mm -hmm. um, if you put yourself in their shoes and you're like, oh, this is going to be a complete shock and a, and, a, and a surprise, it doesn't mean you don't go through with it because you might have legitimate business reasons to, to do something, but it gives you a chance to take a pause and take a moment and really think through what you're about to do. Yeah, definitely. My thing is merciful. Short is merciful. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of go on and on with our termination sometimes. I know as, an, as a young manager, I made that mistake several times. And you realize, man, if I were sitting on this other side of the table, I would want it to be short and sweet. Um, all right. Last question from my end. What's your go-to comfort food? Well, I'm half Filipino, so my wife makes the best. She made it last night, and I ate it at 1 in the morning when I got home from work. <laughs> Chicken wow. adobo mm. and rice. But I'm trying to be better because I'm Grandpa Mike. As, uh, yeah. <laughs> so last night was with spinach, but X. definitely chicken adobo. It reminds me of what my mom cooks. But interestingly enough, my wife makes it better. Being Pakistani from Yusuf makes the best wow. chicken adobo in the world. Oh, wow. Nice. Don't, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. <laughs> no, my, my mom <laughs> confirmed that her chicken adobo is oh, better right. than hers. Yeah. It's all a family then. <laughs> nice. Jonathan? I go back to my all-American meal. <laughs> Very consistent. The Texan sticks by his guns. <laughs> Thank you for plugging Texas, because I, I actually have not plugged Texas yet, and I always try to plug I Texas. Know, I'm I know. very proud of where I'm from. Where, That's whereabouts one requirement. In Texas? I'm, uh, I mean, if you really want the story, I'm from a really small town until I was seven years old. I lived in a town of 300 people, grew up in rural Texas on a farm. Wow. Then I moved to the city when I was seven. Um, that was a town of 6,000 people, which was like <laughs> that big, was the city. big like, deal to Like us. Manhattan, the city. But yeah. then I went to Austin for school, and then, I, then I'm, now I'm here in Hook New York em. City, and the biggest, the biggest and greatest city in the world. So he's in the big city, but his heart is still in Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, it. Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, obviously, travel is definitely a good way to relax, right? Everyone loves to travel. I personally, you know, book my travel around food, usually, right? And I spend hours and hours, like, mapping out where I'm going to go, where I shouldn't go. <laughs> it's really as, as easy to have a crappy meal than have a great one, right? So planning is important. So, Michael, when you travel... 
Uh, where would you go if you, let's say, I have a week, right, with the little girls, the wife, everybody? And we think about it and discuss it once a week, 100%. Right? Where so there is a place <laughs> in Krabi, Thailand called Rayavadi, which is a resort. You have to take a long tail boat, wow. 20 minutes, and it, the level of hospitality there is surpasses anything I've ever seen in the world. And nice. it's just amazing. We really thought there was microphones in, in our little bungalow because every time we would leave, something would appear. We were talking about champagne. We'd come back and there would be champagne and rose petals. We have nicknames for each other. call each other monkey. These two stuffed monkeys appeared. We're like... Okay, this there's is definitely... A- <laughs> you, you definitely you got cameras and mics in that room. Um, but oh it's, it's anywhere, I would say, that really kind of embodies and puts forth... Hospitality is just not what we provide, but it's, it's what we just want to surround ourselves with and seek. Nice. Jonathan, your sweet spot, you can plug Texas again. And what would you eat when you get there? And you can plug the uh, burger and fries as well. Oh, my gosh. I don't know about... I, don't, I can't think of anywhere in particular. I guess my sister lives in Taiwan, or she did for eight years. She now lives in China. And I travel for food. Everywhere I go, I'm just looking up where the best food is. And uh, me and my aunt often joke that we don't have stop buttons. So when I go out to eat, I, if it's in front of me, I just keep eating. I love good food. It's what brings the world and, and people together. And um, the, the street food in Taiwan is just amazing. And I, and I just love simple, no-frills food, too. And, and nice. that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm all about. So anywhere I go, whether you know, I grew up going, and going on vacations in, in Mexico and Colorado and, and kind of neighboring places to Texas, I'm always just looking up food. And, nice. and I land at the airport. I, I just was in L.A. I landed in the airport. And mm. the first thing I did after I landed was I went to a restaurant. Awesome. <laughs> that's the way to go. Awesome. Uh, quickly on the last one, um, you get home, obviously, late night. What is your um, poison of choice to get a little bit of sleep, right? You're uptight, you're all hyper, wired up, and feel free. I don't think anyone, uh, any federal, <laughs> I don't think no one's listening. <laughs> um, yeah. What I would say a, down, a, a nice California white. All right. All right. Two Chris nights Ford. ago was Obon Klimat from Santa Barbara, which is the nice. neck of the woods uh, that I'm from. So I always kind of lean towards something in the Santa Barbara area. But uh, nice white, glass of white while I'm kind of unwinding. and Nice. That does the trick. John. I'm a red guy, so I like a nice <laughs> glass of red. But I'm going to bring it back full circle to a nice glass of red and unwind with the view. Reruns late night. The view reruns. Well, I'm often at work when the view is actually on, so I, I watch it on Hulu um, as I'm going to bed. Nice, awesome. Well, again, thank you both for being here, Uh, Jonathan and Michael. Thank Thank you you. to our sponsors, One House and Empowered Hospitality. Uh, You can catch this online, obviously, Heritage Radio Network. And we'll be back uh, in a few with a new show. So much fun! Thank you, everybody. So thrilled to host you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.